Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I am TK, joined by Andrew Holly on this bye week with a lot of exciting stuff going on. Holly, how we doing, man? Doing just fine. It's an exciting day here for the Ravens flock. Lots of moves by our boy Eric. DeCosta. Making moves. Making moves. I he I love Ozzy Newsom, but let me just say. As a person that loves wheeling and dealing kind of stuff, I love that we've got a wheeling and dealing GM in Eric DaCosta. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just more fun to know that, you know, you can bank on DaCosta. It's going to make something happen. And uh, it was Ozzy's last parting gift with with the Ravens as, as the GM to, to leave us in the, with uh, Eric DaCosta at the helm. Um, of course, big news here. We're here on Thursday, October 22nd. The big news from today is the trade for defensive end Yannick Ngakwe and the practice squad signing pending physical of Des Bryant. So two two pretty major moves for the Ravens here today to, to kind of boost this roster. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what those guys mean to the to the organization, uh, to the team. We'll talk about what else might happen. But we're going to start with a quick recap of the week six win at the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit of a nail biter there but uh, you know we're going to move through that pretty quick so we can talk about some of this fun stuff going on um, I'm not going to do our usual format here so we're going to kind of just run through it I mean I, I kind of want to just open it up to you offense defense or special teams whatever you want to talk about uh, in reference to that Eagles game that uh, yeah I mean I'll, I'll tell on. you what I mean I, I think it was it was uh it was a weird game. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's really the best way to describe it. You know, it looked like it was approaching a blowout, and then the Eagles kind of kept hanging around for a while. I mean, the the defense really came out, and for for a team that gave up, let's see, twenty eight points. You know, it 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 they really dominated, which is weird to say. You don't normally mm-hmm. say that about a team that gives up four touchdowns and a couple two-point conversions and everything else. Um, I, I think I, in some respects, I'm glad it happened, especially in a win, because I think that spurred the change going into the bye um, and and motivated the um, the – the the bye week moves you know or the trade deadline moves rather um it was it was just a very strange game I mean like I said I don't want to keep harping on that but you know the domination uh uh, up front yet you know and I don't really even want to say our secondary got burned but it was just not I don't know what I'm gonna stop rambling and let you take over yeah, you're right. It was really weird because it was a dominant first half. Uh, you know, it was extremely one-sided, and it was it almost had the same feeling as the Bengals game. We're just like, all right, let's just get to the end of this game and let's move on. And then all of a sudden, the the Eagles started to string together some plays. Uh, you know, our offense committed several penalties to kind of kill drives, which I'm going to talk about a little bit, um, which certainly didn't help. Um, you know, those did not. Yeah, it was that was you know, ugly. Yeah, they didn't put away the Eagles the same way that they put away the Bengals. And, of course, I think that the Eagles are a much more talented team than the Bengals are. And, and you know, Carson Wentz made some plays. They had some wideouts go out and make some plays. Um, and uh, I think the dominance in the first half kind of lulled everybody to sleep a little bit, including the team. I guess it kind of it kind of worked yeah. out that way. But um yeah, I mean, the first half is exactly what you want to see. Uh, you know, the offense maybe wasn't as great uh, as, as we've been accustomed to for the last year, but maybe a little bit more used to this year. Uh, the defense was fantastic. Um, you know, what was it, six straight three and outs to start the game? I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. And then, you know, you look up, you know, offense is I mean, let's face it, they shut them out in the first half. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, I mean, it was good seven, complimentary football. At the end of the first half. Right. It, it was good complimentary football. The offense was scoring points yep. off of turnovers, scoring points on short fields. And that's exactly what, you know, we've come to expect. It just that dominance didn't continue the way that it continued against the Bengals. And, you know, it, it happens sometimes when you get out to a big lead and you kind of just start to coast maybe a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were some huge plays that were made uh, to 
to kind of seal the win. Um, three of them actually came off the foot of Justin Tucker, and, and you can't really forget about how huge those field goals were. I mean, especially a 55-yarder. He hit two 46-yarders, you know, not short by any means, but he drilled them, and, and those ended up being the difference. And then, of course, the goal line stand on uh, on that uh, two-point conversion the other, the other sequence I, I want to talk about was at the end of the first half uh, when the Eagles went for it and, and they had Carson Wentz sneak and, you know, was stopped short on fourth down. And I think that was huge because, you know, we go into the half with that shutout and, you know, they would have been in field goal range. They would have been able to continue to, you know, drive down the field if, if, if they wanted to. Um, and, you know, we were able to end the half on a high note and keep them off the board. So that shouldn't really be looked over either. So it was just kind of a weird game. A lot of big hope... moments throughout the game. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. It, it, I mean, it, it was it a was weird game. You're right. And, and, you know, there's not really much else you could say about that. I mean, there were some really nice defensive efforts. Uh, I really, really love the effort from Deshaun Elliott uh, chasing down Miles Sanders. Um, Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, it ended up. It was a touchdown, a touchdown, but it was a great. But, you know, yet again, the the forced fumbles are just out of control. I mean, mm-hmm. and well, Humphrey had another one. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it it was great effort by Elliott on that one. It didn't work out, and he dry, ended up dropping an interception too. Uh, Patrick Queen dropped an interception. Pernell McPhee dropped an interception. So you got to thank you. Like if the, if you catch two of those, um, yeah. you know it's a much different story at the end of the game. So I want to talk about these penalties real quick because I started counting one, two, three, four, five, six penalties that negated positive plays for the Ravens. Uh, just can't have that happen. You know, no. the offense is not, you know, I don't think any offense is built for third and eight, third and nine, third and 14, third and 15. Uh, but it's especially Especially bad when you right now, right? Or or like even the Chiefs, like they don't want to be in third and nine. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, they can they can do it. And no one's shooting well, for that. Right, right. They can do it. They're more well equipped than than the Ravens' offense is right now to do it. But you know, it, it just stinks because you know, for example, let me find a good one. False start on Mark Andrews. Um, that was a tough one because it was third and four. The false start makes it third and nine. That changes how you. What, which play you're going to call. Um, it leads to a deeper drop back for Lamar Jackson. He takes an 11-yard loss, which then takes you out of field goal range. And that stems from the penalty. Uh, another example was um, the holding call in McCary, which I thought was pretty soft. Uh, it was third and seven. It was a 12-yard was, gain on, an, on a nice play. Uh, and it would have been a first down down to the Eagles' 15-yard line. Instead, it goes to third and 17 and uh, you end up kicking a field goal instead of being on, on first and 10 on the 15. So, I mean, it, it's just killer plays like that. I mean, the holding penalties are supposed to be down this year. It's like a decision by the league to not call as many holding penalties. And they just continue to make it harder on themselves and on the refs and on the teams trying to understand all these crazy rules and all these mm-hmm. interpretations and things like that. And it's just really... I mean, it just makes it harder to watch when, when like, you don't know what the rules are and yeah. w- when you think you, you know what the rules are. So, I don't know. That that kind of that kind of uh, bothered me a little bit. But, you know, whatever. Got out of there with a win, and maybe uh, that's all. I mean, I think that was the first time the Ravens had ever won in Philadelphia. Yeah, it actually was. So, first, I mean. First win ever in Philly. So, we can take that as the uh, magic of the game for sure. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, Lamar, I think, was a little bit better than it looked. You know, uh, he, he absolutely uh, was. It was not a bad game. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about the the drive killing penalties. I think hurt his stats the most. Yeah. Um. You know, at least throwing the football. I mean, he still had nine carries for 108 yards and a touchdown. I mean, let's face it, a 37 yard run. I mean, it, he he was fabulous in a lot of respects. Still not quite where we want him to be, but he was not. I wouldn't say he had a bad day in any stretch. I mean, he had, what is that, 300 total yards, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, you know, okay. Um, you know, the, I'll tell you what, the running backs concern me. I mean, even, even uh, you know, uh, 
with uh, Gus Edwards was was still getting hammered a bit. You know, mm-hmm. Dobbins doesn't seem to get into a rhythm. Ingram may have an ankle sprain, or he does have an ankle sprain. We'll see how long it 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 it, it impacts him. But I, mm-hmm. I really am concerned about that, and that's you know we'll talk about this in a little bit. But I mean. The offensive line, it's it's at the point where they need to get it rolling. Yeah, the interior of the offensive line had a tough day. Uh, the the Eagles' defensive line, like we talked about last week, I mean, it's a good defensive line. It's a really good defensive line. But uh, the the interior of the offensive line certainly struggled in run blocking. I think every member of the offensive line had a penalty called on them. Maybe not Skura. I don't know. But, I mean, it was just a bad day. It was a tough day for that offensive line. They really got to get it going. And I think, you know, we might see some changes coming in the bye week, especially with Phillips getting hurt again. Uh, You know, that was my overreaction of the week last week is that he's going to lose his job. And I think that might be coming to fruition. It just seems like he's kind of hit a a rookie wall. Yeah. It changed from, like, the perception that, like, oh, you know, not bad for a rookie, like, you know, first first few games in the league, and he's, you know, holding his own. And then now it's kind of turning into, well, I mean, we need a little bit more. We need, we well, need, Well, the like, reality is we have a Marshall Yonda-sized hole at right guard. I mean, yes. that's, that's yeah. the reality of the situation. And there's nobody yeah. currently on the roster that's going to be Marshall Yonda at right guard. Now, we have several right guards that might be able to do the job. Um, but then you also have to point at center. I mean, I, I don't want to say that, you know, look, Matt Skura is, is a, you know, valiant, you know, it's a valiant story, you know, about how he's back so quickly and everything else. But there's been a lot of push in the interior of the offensive line. And he's also not, um, you know, not necessarily um, without blame here, you know, and I think that. You know, I find it interesting we keep seeing McCarry over at right guard. I think we need to start seeing McCarry back at center unless we make a move there and and then figure out that right guard situation, um, whether that's Powers or Phillips or who knows at this point. Yeah, um, I, you know, look, I would love to see like Ben Bredesen. Why not? Give him a shot. Sure. See what he's, see what he's got I, in the I mean, bye week. He's ready to roll. I mean, he apparently has a, a photographic memory, so I think he'll know all the plays. Maybe it's, it's just a question of is he, is he physically ready to you know, start in the NFL. Right. And, and the Ravens offense asks a lot out of the guards as far as, far as like pulling and, and getting to the second level and things like that. So, you know, that's that's kind of difficult to do for, for a rookie to understand all those concepts. But, you know, I, I think that it'll get going in the bye week. You know, they'll they'll be able to figure some things out. I did like some wrinkles that the that the Ravens offense threw in there, and, and kudos to Greg Roman on some of these play designs. Um, one of them was a fake screen draw to J.K. Dobbins. Um, it's kind of just throw things off a little bit, um, throw off some timing on the defense. It's the 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 fake throw completely took out one of the edge defenders because they ran over to, you know, defend the screen. Uh, I thought that was nice. Um, I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to do. We, we keep seeing edge defenders staying outside and, and defenses mm-hmm. load up the edges, right? So there's got to be more runs. And we saw another big play, Lamar Jackson running the ball up the middle on like a, a power, uh, like a QB power right up the middle. I think we're going to have to see a little bit more of that in which we we show defenses that we're willing to let Lamar Jackson hurt you up the middle. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, we you can't just have your edges sit outside and wait for him. You know, they're going to have to start collapsing again to try to defend Lamar, which mm-hmm. will op- reopen up that edge. And be so some of these runs going to the outside will be a little bit more effective. So keep watching out for that. I think that... Uh, you know, with some of these tougher games coming up, we're going to see Lamar keep a little bit more rather than handing off. I yeah. think a lot of this is, you know, maybe been a little bit of long game and, you know, setting up tendencies and putting things on film so that defenses like the Steelers and the Titans and 
uh, everybody else that's coming up. I know I missed somebody. I missed a good team in there, but uh, you know, other teams that are coming up, you know, don't have everything that they need. And um, maybe that's a little bit of wishful thinking. Maybe I'm looking a little bit too deep into it, but uh, I do expect Lamar to keep the ball on some of these runs uh, going up the middle a little bit more. You know, I, I, I would tend to agree with you. I, I will say it does worry me a little bit more just because, you know, the more he's running up the middle, the more he seemingly is exposed to injury in my mind, where at least when he's running on the outside, he has a little bit more space to, you know, juke around people and then jet by him. Um, so that would be my only concern. We'll just have to make sure. And, and I guess in a lot of respects that it's the onus on us to, to go out and find that offensive lineman, you know, that whoever that Matt Burke kind of guy that can come in and steady the ship, um, you know, that would be huge. I, I just, who knows if that guy's out there for sure. Um, but I just, that's where I worry. I mean, I, I agree with you. He's been the most successful, but that may be because, you know, he's able to make things happen when it, when our offensive lineman isn't doing the job. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's kind of the benefit of having a superstar, right? Well, <laughs> that absolutely. He makes plays I, I that, mean, uh, you know, you know other he people does, can't. I mean, he's Lamar. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's able to still make those plays up the middle that our, our running backs, aside from Gus Edwards occasionally, really have been able to, to do. Um, mm-hmm. So... I don't know. It, it, it's uh, we, we need to see a little bit more. And, and quite frankly, you probably need to see a little bit more from Patrick Ricard. As much as I like Patrick Ricard, okay, Mr. Pro Bowl fullback, we really need you to start absolutely pancaking people all the time and making this happen. Um, I don't want to, you know, bl- I'm not trying to put all the blame on him for anything. But, you know, I think we also, you know, everybody in that blocking team needs to step up to the plate here. Yeah, and and I guess that kind of feeds into one of our interesting points here, uh, you know, talking about acquiring players from from other teams or for free agency or something like that is kind of the the need for a safety valve kind of guy, and that is not Patrick Ricard's game. No, um, out of the backfield, you know, just as to kind much of as we out him, that is yeah, not yeah, his yeah, game. Yeah, not really his game, and maybe that's something that the Ravens are interested in acquiring. But uh, before we get to that, uh, maybe just a quick nod to Clay's Campbell for his three sacks in oh, a monster game. Monster, monster. I mean, he essentially sent Jamon Brown to free agency, and then now he's on from went from being a starting offensive lineman to on the Eagles practice squad. Um, so, I mean, that... Sam Cook, all-time record for games played as a Raven. Um, Deshaun Elliott, uh, I thought this was probably his best game as a Raven so far. And then Justin Tucker uh, for being a beast. I mean, and, you know, really Devin DuVernay with another, you know, tantalizing game, too. A 37-yard mm-hmm. kick return along with the, you know, 30-plus-yard game, uh, you know, through the air. You know, so 31 yards, three catches. Little seventeen yard catch, you know, not bad at all. He caught all three targets. I think we might need to target him a little bit more as we uh, move forward too. Yeah, his his snap share is going up and up and up. Big time. He Big played. Time. Let me see, twenty six. I think is the number that I saw. Twenty six snaps, which is his, which is his. Um, now where did that fare so with the other wide receivers? Um, so he played more than. How'd that fare with Boykin? Okay, so Boykin played 33 snaps. Okay. DuVernay is out there for 26. So of the okay. wide receivers there. that played, of the wide receivers that played, DuVernay played the fewest snaps. Um, what did Sneed get? Sneed was there for 49. Okay, uh, so he's there. 49 snaps. There. Right. And he had he had a nice, nice little gain as well. You know, ended up fumbling at the end. But he had some nice yeah. catches as well. Um, so... I'm I'm, just, I'm sorry, just the one catch and and the nice run after the catch, um, but 
you know, just just we need, need somebody more. to step up. We right, need more. more. I mean, and from a from a vet yeah, that just like well knows for Willie Sneed, but we need more than that. I mean, yeah, Marquise Brown is fine. He had an okay game. You know, Mark Andrews really didn't do anything. You know, Nick Boyle had an okay game for Nick Boyle and got a touchdown. Oh, he had the touchdown. Oh my you know, gosh, that play by Lamar was crazy. It was on no, the edge. Was. That was Lamar wild, was yeah. Lamar. I mean, yeah. he was just ridiculous. Um, but like that understanding that of of Boyle there to go from like just kind of floating onto the edge to turning turning around and be like, hey, wait a second, I'm open on the goal line. That's the mm-hmm. kind of veteran kind of presence that we need. Um, that I think, you know, I I don't want to set the expectations for Des Bryant too high, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. But like just that kind of veteran presence to yeah. just know how to get open and how to stay open yep. uh, is is going to be really nice. So. Overall, I mean, it was a weird game. I think Lamar was pretty good. I think the offense was better than what uh, the box score will say. Aside from the penalties, you know, there's some unfortunate uh, roughing the passer penalties on the defense, but I think that overall they were really good too. So either way, nice to get a win on the road, especially with some yeah, ugly win, but it's yeah, always rabid a nice win. with some rabid 7,500 Eagles fans uh, in attendance. Um, it's nice to win on the road in the NFL. Absolutely. Um, all right. Shall we move on? I think we spent a yeah. little bit longer than, than I wanted to uh, on that, or that, that we both wanted to on that game. Let's talk about some fun stuff. Yannick Ngakwe, what does he bring to the Ravens uh, wow. right off the bat? Well, right off the bat for me is the flexibility on defense we now have. I mean, we talked about it after the Kansas City game. We did not have that player – that was going to have to be accounted for on every play he's on the field. You know, as far as a pass rusher goes, that guy who's going to beat you one-on-one on the outside just about every time, and now we have that. And, you know, he's already got chemistry with Calais Campbell. He's And, and I think we're going to sign him long-term, to be honest with you. We can talk about that as a sidebar, mm-hmm. but... You know, just the fact that the Ravens have wanted this guy for a long time. There was that crazy sign-and-trade deal that we were going to have where we somehow got in Gokwe by signing Clowney. I mean, it was like yeah. all sorts of craziness. So we obviously have parameters out there for a deal with, with Ngakwe. You know, I don't think that trade was going to happen without him signing a deal with us. So it really wouldn't surprise me if over this bye week, we end up signing Ngakwe to a deal, um, extending him out and making this an even better trade for the Ravens. But just all the way around, um, it, it really makes a lot of difference, especially with that flexibility. For sure. Um, I was very frustrated in the draft uh, back in 2016 um, because Yannick Ngakwe went one pick before the Ravens. Um, he went we to the Jaguars. Him? He went so with the 69th pick, the Jaguars took Yannick Ngakwe. With the 70th pick, the Ravens took Bronson Kafusi. Oh. So quite a quite a drop off there. You know, I, I liked Ngakwe for a while. He's a Maryland guy. He was a beast at Maryland. Um, you know, I thought him dropping to the third round would have been a great spot for the Ravens to take him, but the Jags got to him first. That's where he made his name. You know, he's. He's a good pass rusher, and, and he's somebody He's somebody that, you know, if not one-on-one, teams are going to have to put a tight end over to help. They're going to have mm-hmm. to, to key their running back over to help. And what that does is it's going to open up one-on-ones for other guys. Yep. So the packages that I'm really interested in with, with, with Ngakwe, and, and he hasn't really been all that good this year for the, for the Vikings so, so far. And well, believe, you say that, but he's got five sacks and two forced fumbles. Yeah, that's true. And he, he's he's got that. But I believe he could be even more uh, effective, more efficient with his pass rushes um, because they're having him play like 70% of their snaps. And I don't think you really need that from him uh, if you're the Ravens, especially with the other guys that you have on there. So he can kind of fit back into this pass rush specialist almost kind of role in my eyes, you know, 50% of the snaps, um, you know, have him screaming off the edge instead of having to worry about, you know, defending the run all the time and that kind of stuff. 
Um, and then maybe that five snaps to uh, force fumbles, you know, starts to multiply uh, a little bit as he's fresh late in the game, uh, you know, from not having to play, you know, 70% of the snaps. Um, the the packages in which I see him used are are basically this was a move to address uh, the Kansas City problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw this in the offseason. DaCosta just decided, you know what, whatever happened against uh, uh, the Titans is never going to happen again. So we went out and got Clayus Campbell, Derek Wolf, right? And we drafted uh, Metabike, Broderick Washington, and brought in a lot of guys up front. Quinn now, Harrison. Yep, yep, absolutely. So then now the issue is, well, we can't really beat the Chiefs if we keep, you know, sending several guys and, uh, you know, playing playing off coverage and zone in the back. And we need to be able to just drop guys into coverage and, and, and slow them down. This is the move to address that because Ngakwe allows you to rush four and yep. create uh, some other one-on-ones, even if you rush, rush four or rush five. So guys that will be on the field with him – you know, in these, I, I mean, these kind of NASCAR packages, if you go back to like those Giants teams that won Super Bowls and, and you know, they had some fantastic players on there. But, you know, if you talk about their four pass rushers on the on, on the field, ours could be Yannick Ngakwe, Calais Campbell, Matthew Judon, uh, and then some combination of Pernell McPhee, Derek Wolf, and Tyus Bowser. Uh, that's that's a pretty special group. That's really good. And then add yeah, in yeah. a guy like Jalen Ferguson – you know, that's a lot of pass rush potential right there. And, and you know, if, even if you're just bringing four of them or even if you're bringing five of them, that's going to be a challenge for any any offensive line to handle. And then that allows you to drop six or seven guys back into coverage. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the Ravens' strengths is their secondary. So um, this was specifically in my mind to address the Chiefs' problem. Uh, I, I don't know if you see it the same way or – Absolutely. It's absolutely what it is. It, uh, you said it perfectly. I mean, <clears throat> and that's what I meant by, you know, defensive flexibility. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have to create the pass rush. You don't have to send five, six guys, get crazy, send your DBs, all that stuff. You can just play old school football and rush for and do what you got to do everywhere else. Um, and you know, the, the thing about Ngakwe is he elevates or, or would seemingly elevate everyone else on the field while he's there. When he's on the field now, opposite Judon, that's going to make it easier on Judon. It's going to make it easier on Calais Campbell. And they of course have their relationship from Jacksonville. And you know, that's, it, it's, it's a, it's a five-star trade at this point for the Ravens, especially if they end up signing him long-term. For sure. And and you think about some of the compensation. So we gave up a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 conditional fifth-round pick. And, you know, third-rounder round, third rounder sounds like a lot. Yeah, sure. Um, but Actually, I don't think it does. For, for a guy who could potentially be a Pro Bowl defensive end for a couple years, I... I, yeah. I or outside linebacker, however you want to look at him. But, you know, I I think a third-round pick, that's not bad at all. Right. And then especially when you consider, you know, yeah, you can sign him long-term, and then, yeah, great, you have a really good pass rusher long-term. If he walks, uh, the Ravens are eligible for a uh, compensatory pick. And based on his production and the contract that he signs, that could very well end up being a third-round pick anyway. Easily. So it's a wash, and then you're looking at a fifth-round pick uh, in 2022, which is also a conditional pick. So, I mean, once again, we've said it a, a few times. I mean, Eric DaCosta is playing chess, and, and it seems like, you know, every, whoever's at the uh, – I think it's Spielman over at the Vikings is, is stuck playing checkers or tic-tac-toe. Especially when you look at what they – now, look, I mean, sometimes you have to cut bait. So, I mean, I, I can't. I can't say that, oh, God, they blew it. But you look at what the Vikings gave up, mm-hmm. so they ended up giving up a second round, what would end up being an early second-round pick for to the Jags for Ngakwe. Mm-hmm. And they're getting what will be a late third. So that's like 
two rounds later, basically. Yeah. You know, two full rounds, even though it looks like it's just a round drop. The reality is it's a lot more than that. So um, that's 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 a that sucks for the Vikings. But you know what? I'm happy to trade with the Vikings anytime they want to trade. The last yeah. two seasons, you know, it seems to have helped us out. So you know what? I, I who else can we go to the well on? I mean, I mean, I guess it was you know the Rams were the other team last year we fleeced. Maybe they're upset about that. Who knows? If they have a player that we might like. Yeah, I mean, every time we, we trade with the Vikings, it works out for us. I mean, so far yeah. it's gotten us Calais Campbell and... and uh, Yeah, and now we have Ngakwe. I mean, we're right. just going to somehow... Let's somehow figure out how to make another trade with the Vikings, but we end up with Alex Mack from, from the Falcons. That would be ah, that okay. would be nice. So let's, yeah, let's move into that. You, you, there's uh, some... Some, let's see, lack lacking in the interior offensive line, and you are uh, identifying Alex Mack from the Falcons. Their yeah, so I look through uh, as an I option. Look through, okay, so who are the really crappy teams? And I will follow up by saying, um, in my research, uh, you know, today on NFL Nation on ESPN Plus, they actually you know had a list of potential guys that that uh, could be traded. And lo and behold, Alex Mack is included on that list. He is in the last season of his deal. He's 35, um, but he's made 70 straight starts for the Falcons. He is, you know, one of the better centers in the league. Um, I, you know, he's, he, for me, I mean, thinking about a guy like Matt Burke, that's perfect. I mean, if we can make something like that work out cap-wise, I would, I mean, certainly I don't think it would cost more than a fifth, I would think. I don't think you would get more than that for a 35-year-old center. But I'd be willing to make a deal and maybe even include Matt Skura or McCary or, you know, make it appealing with some of the other interior depth we have with some of the younger offensive linemen um that we could maybe even send their way yeah it's certainly a possibility and and i was saying before we started recording that i just have a hard time identifying offensive linemen that teams would be willing to let go of because there's so few that are actually good that if a team is willing to let go of an offensive lineman you'd you might think that, like, I mean, is something wrong? You know, see, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it. It would be tough for me to bring a center into this offense, and and there's not a whole lot of pulling and stuff like that that centers do in the Ravens' running game. But um, well, you know, another tough. player as I read through this list that would be interesting, and I kind of mentioned him just to you, not really knowing. Knowing much about him, but I guess uh, Joe is it Thuney or Thunny? Yeah, Tooney. Yeah, from yeah Tooney from the from the Patriots. You know he uh, he was tagged last season by the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know, so they would obviously want something legit back, but he can basically play every offensive line position. Yeah, he so, was a guy that you know a lot of people were interested in coming to the Ravens to try to uh, replace Yanda. Um, he's a young guy. He's he's actually pretty good. Uh, if the if the Pats are willing to pay him that much money on on the uh, yeah. what's it called franchise tag, um, he's he, of course that, that also said, probably probably means it'd be harder for us to trade him without some sort of some sort of sign and trade deal, which I'm not sure we would do, especially when you consider we've got other offensive linemen to pay. Um, mm-hmm. But he's certainly someone out there that they're at least throwing out. How about David and Joku uh, from the Browns? Yeah, he wants out. Yeah, he wants out. He, I mean, having having another tight end, like we said, in that kind of safety valve role, and we'll come back to that maybe. Um, that safety valve role that maybe uh, is a little bit outside of Pat Ricard's area of expertise. Having that third tight end to kind of alleviate some of that for for Lamar Jackson, maybe that's something to look into. Maybe not, you know, one of these. Uh, 
one of these wide receivers, but another receiving option in the tight end category. Yeah. There's also Jake Butt potentially from the Broncos, who I'm pretty sure we were we were interested in when he was coming out of Michigan. Yeah. Um, in the draft, you know, he definitely is a guy that that would be intriguing. I mean, he's had some some knee problems, and you know, so injuries. You know, that's definitely something that you have to worry about. But, um, but wow. yeah, maybe a guy like Evan Ingram from the Giants, another yeah. injury prone guy, but sure. very talented in his own right. Um, so there's some options. I mean, there's no way to tell with this team. Like even yeah, the guys, like even the beat reporters have no idea until something breaks. And let's um, face it, last year we would have never guessed that the Ravens were going to trade for Marcus Peters. Cornerback was the last thing on our mind mm-hmm. as a need. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no idea. So you got to start to think about uh, some roster manipulation here. Like who's going to be the guy who goes. And uh, especially with Ngakwe on his way in, maybe Des Bryant is, you know, probably a few weeks away from actually playing. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to be out there when when the Ravens take the field against the Steelers. I think that's probably a little bit too quick. Um, but when he does come back, you know, who gets the boot on, on the 53-man roster? You know, if you acquire some other guys, mm-hmm. you know, because this is a talented roster. It's hard to let go of any of these guys. There's no, like, yeah, yeah. chump. On, but on the roster, that said, there know, are but... players that, that, you know, there are some areas where cuts could be made. Um, yeah. As much as we like certain wide receivers, there are a couple in mind that, hey, I mean, Miles Boykin was a high pick, mm-hmm. but, or a relatively high pick, but this is a Super Bowl team. I mean, with the moves that we have made today, this is a team that is going, this is Super Bowl or bust right now and right. if that means you know we make a trade or sign a veteran and miles boykin ends up being the the odd man out because he can't seem to get on the same page with lamar you know that that may just happen um willie sneed as much as we like willie sneed if there's a player that you know the ravens are able to get that's um a similar player but better you know, who's to say he's a lock? Um, well, I'll, you tell, know. I'll tell you one more who's who, another wide receiver who's still on the roster is Chris Moore. Hey, I was going to bring him up as well. I mean, and then you've got my my favorite end around wide receiver. And let's let's face it. Now that Devin DuVernay has taken that role, what really is there left? For Chris Moore on this on this football team, so yeah, because because even that the, like the gunner position, everybody's like, oh, Chris Moore is like a terrific special teamer. Our gunners have been really good. We're barely giving up any punt returns, uh, punt return yardage. So he's kind of like lost that spot yeah, too. Absolutely. So you know, he's not going to be returning kicks because Duvernay is doing well there. He's not returning punts because Prochet is doing well. Oh, and Prochet was really nice on the on the onside kick, by the way. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So he's like, you know, he's kind of taking over in a special teams role. I mean, Chris Moore might be the odd guy out. So. Yeah, I mean, I, he's definitely that guy for me. Um, for for certainly Des Bryant, you know, and, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's that guy. But if we were to make another move, you know, were that to be. You know, and, and that player was more a wide receiver because I don't know if there's really any tight. I mean, we you talked about we talked about was it Scarf? Is that our third tight end or Scarif? Whatever the hell his name Scarf. is. Scarf. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not even know, really sure. I if mean, he's he on could the certainly roster. be cut if we got a tight end. Um, but but it could easily be Chris Moore too. You know, um, if especially if that tight end was someone that, while good, also played special teams. You know, um, yeah. You know, the other thing we what happens if the Ravens also trade for a corner? Because we also just put Anthony Averett on IR. Now, granted, it's 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 a, you know, returnable IR designation, but but still IR nonetheless. Yeah, that's true, because all of a sudden, you know. You're down a a few. uh, All our depth, all our depth. Yeah, our depth is kind of gone. So. 
you know, but beyond Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith, which is a lot more than other teams Most. can say. Uh, you know, we have Khalil Dorsey, we have um, Terrell Bonds, who's down on the practice squad, and uh, you know, that's about it. And then, look and at Mike. Really, yeah, yeah, the, you're looking pretty thin there all of a sudden. So, you mean, you know, either you you kind of hang in there until Averett's ready to come back, or you go out and make a move again. Okay, I mean, maybe we we go get Jalen Ramsey from the Rams. I mean, you know, and he and Marcus Peters can make up, and and you know, we just go with four corners. Right, right, and then and then bring in Khalil Mack. And, oh, uh, perfect. That's yeah. perfect. Though. Good call. Yeah, Good call. yeah. Then then we'd be cooking. Yeah, but back to reality. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, – and, and I'll be honest with you, I do not think the Ravens are done, especially when Eric DaCosta made a point in his statement about Ngakwe that, you know, they were not done building this team. Mm-hmm. And I do not think he was talking about Des Bryant. No, I don't think so either. Even though Des right. Bryant is a big name, it's intriguing that, you know, he can be on the practice field and get called up and all that stuff. But you, you know, Des Bryant doesn't get called, you know, signed to the practice squad to dilly dally on the practice, you know, to dilly dally there too long. Right. You know, I don't, I don't see him being the guy we call up and down a couple weeks and then, you know, finally sign him. He's, he's either going to be, you know, get those a few weeks to work out on the practice squad and then, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, here's another end of it. You know, we really like that Tristan Cologne guy. Maybe that, is another another way we craft a trade with some of our perceived offensive line depth uh-huh. um, and pull him up. You know, maybe even you trade. I mean, this is a little crazy, but say you go to the Falcons and you include, um, say, Skura and, and uh, Powers or something like that for Mac. You know. Um, You're down on Skura, you, man. I, I'm just it, it could be McCary. I, I'm really just it, it's not not necessarily anything in particular about Skura. I'm just I'm just trying to throw some names at the wall that might work. But um, but I am. I mean I don't. Let me put it this way. I've never been in love with Skura. I mean he's okay. I, I you know I don't look at him as like man he's a pretty darn good center. Um, I mean, he's solid. You know, same with McCary. He was solid. Now, I actually think McCary might be a little bit better than Skura. Now, that said, the coaching staff knows better than I do. I'd be surprised if he was really that much better and wasn't starting already. Um, but, again, we'll see what happens after the bye week. I mean, a lot could change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, gone are the days of, like, oh, firing the offensive coordinator in the bye week and, yeah, uh, bringing in the new guy. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice. You know, it's nice to be you know switching up players rather than rather than coaches. Absolutely, um, absolutely. You know, yeah, it, it just feels it just it's just more fun this way, and it's more fun when you're five and one and not you know a floundering five hundred team trying to figure things out. And let's face it, we got some juice going into Steelers week, so that's going to be fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and man. It, it, that's going to be a really fun game, and, and you know maybe we'll do another podcast to preview what that. Number, what number? What number does Ngakwe get? He he was ninety one. Ninety one. We have ninety one open. It's open, yeah. Oh, is it 90, really? Okay. Ninety one we'll is open, it. and uh, eighty eight is occupied by Breland, I think, and I think he's going to oh. have to give that up yeah. for, for Des. Yeah. When you're when you're on IR, you know whatever, you give up your number as a rookie that's never even played, right? So, yeah, so Ngakwe is – he's good to go with 91. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there um, he goes. Yep. Who are uh, other famous 91s? I'm trying to think. Lionel Dalton, I think, was 91 back in the day. Um, going back to Jelly Roll, back to yeah. uh, the 2000 defense. Um, I think he was 91. Any other famous 91s? I'm trying to think if there are any. I, if there aren't, they aren't jumping out at me. You know, not too many. I think, I think like Justin Tuck was ninety-one Did, with the Giants. Uh, was it Brown, um, the guy we drafted out of uh, Alabama? 
um, not Courtney Brown, or or he went to the the Falcons um, after we let him go on free agency. I'm trying to think. Outside linebacker. Um, oh, Upshaw was 91. Upshaw, yeah. that's who I was. Yeah. Yep, Upshaw, Upshaw was 91. Yep. Yeah. So he was 91. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, Justin Tuck was is. He's him and like Chris Long are the only 91s I can think of, but I don't know. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's like a well, I'm thinking Ravens, almost. Ravens famous 91. Oh, I don't think Ravens, they have them. Yeah. 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 Probably I mean, just Upshaw. Really. Yeah. Probably just Upshaw. But yeah. Uh, 88, there's been some cool ones. Dennis Pitta. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Who else? Any other um, other than Pitta? I forgot he was 88. That's and Dennis Pitta was fantastic. Let's, you know, I mean, he was inconsistent, but man, did he show up in big games. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, random. That's true. Random, but good yeah. thoughts. Good thoughts. That's what we need. Yeah. That's what we need another. We need another dynamic receiver like like Pitta on this roster. But we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe Andrews can play the Pitta role and and Dez can play the uh, Anquan role for us. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly like. It, yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I, I wanted to temper expectations on Des Bryant a little oh, bit. Oh, absolutely. Um, he yeah. he's a big name. Uh, he's, uh, obviously a lot of experience, a lot of production. And how many past, years but, since he's played on a football? So team? he has. He hasn't played since 2017. Um, yeah. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And then the other thing to keep in mind is that he was available at this time. Yeah. Um. If he, I mean, like good players just don't sit uh, at home unless, no. you know, they have some legal trouble or or things like that. And especially with the Ravens working him out earlier and not signing him, yeah, just just temper those expe- expectations. A I mean, bit. I know, and that's the thing. I mean, you look at it like you know the Ravens didn't sign Bryant because they were excited about the potential of Miles Boykin and how he yeah. looked in training camp. Well, we can see yeah. that Miles Boykin, it hasn't been that great. So if it yeah, was really a toss-up with, well, is, is he better than Boykin? The, the results yeah. might not be um, what what we want them to be. But it's fun. Certainly the practice squad move is interesting. It, it has nothing but upside, you would think, for the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, if he, if he doesn't work out in the locker room, it's not going to be a big deal for them to say, okay, get out. Um, you know, so I think it's, that's more lightning in a bottle for sure. And Gawkway is what we need to be excited about. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really nice move, a really big move for the Ravens to, to bolster this defense. Um, you know, the, the pass rush really hasn't been that bad. Uh, this just kind of boosts that. Well, it hasn't been bad. Some of that's been only because of the last two weeks. But yeah. outside of that, it's been manufactured. And not that that's a bad thing, but as we saw against Kansas City, when you're manufacturing your pass rush, sometimes that backfires tremendously. And Ngakwe allows us to just go straight up and not have to scheme it up. So that that makes a huge difference. Yes, yes, I agree. And, and you know, with Wink Martindale, who knows what that madman's going to do. He'll probably still blitz 10. But um, you don't have to anymore. Uh, and you hope well, that, and that's you know, the these... key. I, you know, he, he had to be the mad scientist against Kansas City because otherwise we wouldn't have had any pass rush, mm-hmm. I don't think. So the fact that we potentially can now do that with Ngakwe, I would hope we'd change the way he, he would do stuff. We could mix and match and change our coverage up a little bit and try to confuse Patrick Mahomes that way rather than like, oh, God, there are six different guys rushing at me right now. And I right. know there's going to be two guys open. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, that flexibility. Because you can still bring the heat if you want to. But you don't have to because your guys are going to yep. get there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun new toys. Uh, 
We'll see. The, the EDC is not done. The cast is not done. I, I, I still think that there will be some uh, some moves that w- that we won't know about until uh, you know Schefter or Zrebeck or somebody tweets. But uh, yeah, that'll be exciting. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see who else they bring in because, like you said, it just seems like they're going for it. They're going for it while uh, Lamar is on this rookie deal, and. Uh, and you know, Arizona is not afraid to cut bait on guys he drafted recently. I mean, you think about they traded Kenny Young last year in the trade for Marcus Peters, mm-hmm. and not that Young necessarily looked amazing, but he he didn't look terrible. Um, yeah, he you know, flashed he was a, some He was a player guys were kind of excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I that's where I look at those offensive linemen and go, look, it doesn't sound like he's nervous about trading in miles boykin for that matter you mm-hmm. know um if, if we get Gino the Stone. right player back yeah. hey yeah yeah you never know you never know and and it's been kind of this like draft the offense by the defense kind of deal mm-hmm. and um you never know how he's gonna how he's gonna bolster the offense with with maybe a, a, an acquisition like that so very excited to see what uh, what he continues to do and uh, how he brings players into the fold. Do you have anything else to add to our episode today? I don't think so. I think you can uh, take us home, and you know we'll be back next week for Steelers Week. Yeah, we'll be back next week for Steelers Week. Uh, I think it's safe to say that there's going to be some new faces that uh, we're going to have to acclimate ourselves with. So started this episode with kind of a lukewarm review of the Ravens' performance uh, in week six against the uh, the Eagles. You know, it seemed like the bye couldn't have come at a better time for this team. So hopefully they take advantage. They're bringing in, bringing in new guys to, to boost this offense for, for a potential Super Bowl run here. And it all starts in the second half of the season with the game at the Pittsburgh Steelers. For Andrew Holly, this is TK signing off. Go Ravens. Go Ravens.